Hey guys, we're back. Smart Brand Marketing, uh, another episode. And today with me, um, I have Derek Sivers. If you don't know Derek, look him up um, because there's a lot of info about him. And funny story, you know, I've uh, tried to get Derek on for about three years now. Three years. Yeah, at least. <laughs> at I actually least. looked at our email history and we've been talking about doing this for many years. And many here we years. are, finally. Many years. And about three, four months ago, Derek's like, okay, I'll finally come on. And then he doesn't show up, completely blows me off. Um, and then he's really ballsy about it too. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to do it because I got my own shit to do. And I, I really respected that. I was like, you know what? That's, that's Normally if someone did that, I would be like, you know what? Fuck off. But with, with Derek, because we, we have a previous relationship, you know, and, um, and when he did that, I was like, you know what? I, I sat down with a couple of friends and I'm like, Derek just blew me off in such a nice, like good way where I can't say anything about it. Like I really can't. There's nothing negative I can say. I'll be like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad he stuck to his guns. He's like, he's got shit to do. I can't believe you used that as our intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm embarrassed of that. I mean, I you know, it's I didn't mean I didn't mean to blow it off. I was just so deeply immersed in my work that I was like not looking at any calendar or any schedule and I just like crammed right through it. And yeah, I, I am sorry about that. But um, but, but that brings you. us into into this topic, right? Which is, you know, <laughs> pretty much how do you, you know, create your masterpiece or stay immersed in your work with so many distractions going on. Like for you at that moment, going on this podcast was not an opportunity. It was a distraction where in a different time, it'd be like, you know, this is an opportunity because there's, you know, a lot of people listening, but at that moment it was a distraction. So that's why kind of, I felt, you know, bringing you on and let's, let's chat about it. Right. Well, it's funny. It's, it, if you've got your values in place, then even if, you know, whatever, uh, the Tonight Show asks you to appear. If it's not the right time for you, then that's just a distraction too. Like no matter what opportunity comes up, if you're focused, the most wonderful opportunity is actually still a distraction from what you're really doing. Um, and then you have to make that call. Like, am I going to stop the work that matters to me most? You know, it's, okay, here's what's a good thing to remind ourselves of now. This is not, it's something we've all probably heard, but let's come back to it now. It's the important versus the urgent, right? Like they combine like this. You, I'm sorry, I'm holding my four fingers up. <laughs> okay. You've got, let's say number four, things that are not important and not urgent. Number two, things that are not important, but yes, they're urgent. Number two, uh, things that are important but not urgent and then number one things that are important and okay so we'll go through it again so things that are not important and not urgent those are just distractions right like that's just stupid crap that we shouldn't be doing and, and requests from others that don't matter to you like somebody sends you an email and they want something from you and it's if it's not on your list of what's important to you then no so you just have to stop doing those. But then there's the things that are not important, but yes, they're urgent. So these are your biggest enemy because these are the things that prevent you from getting what you want most. 
So these are the things like other people's problems of, oh my God, I'm, I'm in a jam. I need you to help me out with this thing. Um, there, it's not actually important to you, but you know, OMFG, somebody's made it urgent to you. Um, so you have to make the value call. Like you kind of have to muster up your, your value system and have kind of a good philosophical base in place where you say like, you know, I'm sorry, but this is your problem, not my problem. And I don't mean that in a bad way. There's, I'm sure there's a nicer way to say that. Um, so number two, then things that are important, but not urgent. So things that are important to you, I mean, and not urgent. This is where you should be spending most of your time. Because these, these are the things where it's, it's preparation instead of procrastination. This is like getting your shit together. These are things that are important to you, but they're not urgent. So this is where you need to be proactive and know your own values. And you have to be future focused to realize that this is what you need to be doing most and where you need to spend most of your time because the fourth thing in that list was important and urgent. And those are things where you should have taken care of them earlier <laughs> before they became urgent. So yes, it's important to you, but really you want to be spending all of your time on things that aren't urgent and take care of them in advance through preparation. Because then if you don't, they become problems. Uh, you know, the important and urgent category is, is not the worst thing because at least it's still important to you, but you try to not to let things get there. So yeah, the point I think is that we should be saying no to everything that's unimportant to us and especially the things that people try to say are urgent. You know, people kind of create problems and, and throw them at us like it's our problem now. And so whether you want to call that slow living or call it just good, smart preparation and focus, I think it's a matter of following your own values of what's important to you instead of other people's problems. So one thing I've kind of learned back from the days when I used to work for someone else um, and we used to call this passing the ball, right? Kind of like, you know, passing the buck, you know, this, this guy. Like anytime someone would throw those problems at me, like automatically I would throw them back. I would not keep that ball with me, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you want me to nice. do this? Well, you, yeah. So um, that was one way of me doing that. Uh, and, and sometimes now with clients too, they'll, you know, they'll ask like, oh, why don't you just do this extra thing for me? I was like, oh, how about I don't? And find someone else. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and but it's it's a quick response, right? Um, well, the, yeah, go yeah, ahead. And it it helps to have your your philosophy kind of aligned internally. Having having a couple things is like a rule of thumb, so that when it comes up, even in the moment, like it might just be somebody like on text or by phone, and they're just they're waiting for your immediate answer. You've got to have that ability to to say no with conviction, not even some wussy, lying, kind of half-truthy, kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, sorry, can't do it that day because I'm, oh, no, I can't make it that day either. Like, no, 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 just you got to know where you stand on this and and say it. There's a brilliant book, one of the best books I've read in the last year or two it was called The Courage to Be Disliked. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the author's name. 
And don't let the title distract you because it's the book is actually about many different things. And, and the courage to be disliked was just like one of 20 interesting little points in the book. Um, so I don't know why they chose that as the title. But it's a fascinating little book that is communicating the uh, philosophy of uh, a German or Austrian guy from the 1930s named, was it Alder or Adler? He was a contemporary of Sigmund Freud, but whereas Freud kind of got famous, this guy didn't as much. But a, a Japanese author found his works and read them and turned them into this uh, fascinating book called The Courage to Be Disliked. So the one that, you know, any of our listeners here, unless they speak Japanese, will be finding the English translation of it. But it started out as a Japanese book. Point is, it had a really well-defined way of saying what are other people's tasks versus your tasks. And it, and I think they used the word tasks. And it's kind of like, these are the things that you need to do in your life. These are like this distinction between what's your responsibility and what's not your responsibility. So like, even if somebody is like sick or crying or dying, it may not be your responsibility or your task to go take care of them. Like it's some, maybe somebody got themselves into a mess. It's not your task to get them out of that mess. Um, even if though they try to make it your task. Um, yeah, highly recommend that book. It's a fascinating little book anyway, but if somebody listening to this, if you feel that uh, that this is a problem, if you have a real problem saying no and you need kind of a better framework or philosophy to stand on, uh, go find that book. It has some great, great uh, stances. So I, I feel like one of the reasons why people cannot say no um, is because they don't know, they haven't chosen the battle that they're fighting. Right. Right. So I see that a lot in, you know, my, my business. Um, like people come in and they're just lost. Um, mm -hmm. They're like, I have this. I want to get this done, but I have no clue how to proceed. I haven't started because I just don't, you know, so they, they haven't really chosen the battle yet. They can't focus. They can't come up with these, you know, ideas and, and rules of thumb because they don't know what they're doing. And I find this, mm -hmm. you know, in all... You know, like I, I find just randomly people at the gym and I'm talking to and, and I'm like, you're lost. You know, and it's not, you know, something like you're putting a person down. It's just like, and I have no response right. to that too. I have no advice. And that's why, you know, yeah. I, I emailed you before with this. It's how to do you get someone to figure out what to focus on, which battle to to choose, you know, because you can you can pick so many things, right? When, you're, when we're little, you can be anything. Or so we're told. Um, but, <laughs> right. but it, yeah, but it really quickly on, as long as you're doing things and failing, you're like, no, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. And then you figure out, well, I can do these 15 things because there's still a lot left, but I got to pick one. You know, and, and, right. and this is what um, I think would be very helpful to a lot of people. Um, the, well, first I think it, you have to know who you're doing it for. Meaning if you're doing something for yourself, like making music or I don't know, trying to get fit or 
whatever, then it doesn't matter what the world thinks of it. You're doing this because you want to. And if other people like it, well, that's just a bonus. But if you're doing something for others, like a business, and if the world doesn't seem to want this thing, then I think it's actually smart to give up sooner instead of later and just try something else. But when I say give up, it doesn't necessarily mean giving up completely and just, you know, deciding to go start a yoga studio instead or something. I mean, like, don't be committed to a problem. Be committed. Sorry, 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 sorry. I mean the opposite. Don't be committed to one solution. You can be committed to a problem. Like if you've decided that, uh, sorry, just for some reason I was thinking of my friends at Manal because we have them in common and I was just looking at their site this morning, um, that they were committed to designing a better backpack to help people have better, you know, portable storage. Right. But if the world looked at their first design of their backpack and went, nah, we don't want that, then then they should have just been able to immediately say, hmm, okay, what else could it be? Maybe we need roller bags. Maybe we need this. Maybe people need lockers around the world so that they don't need to bring storage with them. Maybe people need less stuff and we're going to commit to helping people have less stuff. Maybe, you know, whatever it may be, it's like you can be committed to a problem long term, but just feel free to quickly let go of whatever solution you came up with. Don't get too attached to that. Um, and change as often as needed until something hits. Um, but I'm sorry, that the that's kind of one aspect of what you're asking. That's kind of like, you know, when to, when to push through or when to give up. Yeah. Um, but as far as somebody knowing in the first place, like what the hell you're doing, um, that's a tough one. Cause it's, I think that's, it, it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, you know, it's like a, a nuanced collection of many things like what suits you at this stage in your life. You know, like I think a lot of us, say years ago we're going to do something hmm. and then we feel some kind of like loyalty or obligation to our past self to follow through and do that thing that we once uttered out loud that we were going to do but i think it's better to give up on those too even if you've told the whole world i'm going to go you know do this thing and then if, if a few years later or god even a few months later if it just doesn't suit the current you and your current situation, maybe something's changed. <laughs> like, you know, we're recording this on March 26th in the middle of a, a pandemic lockdown. So pretty much everything is changing for everybody right now. Yeah. And um, yeah, so this idea of like, okay, so this thing I said I was going to do two months ago, that's now moot. Uh, I just checked in on a friend of mine that his whole business was doing in the events ticketing system. Yeah. He did like a ticketing system for, for events. And I just texted him like, dude, been thinking about you. How, how are you doing? And he's like, well, my, my old business is completely trashed. We've just decided to let that go. That is now moot for the future. You know, I, I'm working on like a community streaming thing now. And it's like, I was so happy to hear that because you can imagine somebody taking the opposite stance and saying, no, man, we're, we're committed to making events happen still. And, you know, when, once we get through this thing, I'm like, you know, so um, anyway, sorry, I, I took a few angles on this at once, but I think that you always got to be, I think the common thread is you need to, what do we say? Agile, flexible, um, changeable, and 
don't be loyal to things that you said in the past. Yeah, so the reason I have um, a hard time giving advice on this one, because I'm, I'm asked that quite a few times, and since I was little, um, I had this very strong push into two directions. One was music, and the second one was business, right? So I tackled music. I got as far as I thought I wanted to go. You know, once once I get to a certain point, I realized that the next step is not what I want. So I, even though after, it was many years that I put into it, um, I kind of let it go. And then the second one that was left was business. You know, and people would say like, you know, once you figure out your why, um, it'll be, you know, like everything will fall into place. And sort mm-hmm. of, you know, like it, that... that sentence made no sense to me for many, many years. Because, well, no, like, you know, my immediate answer was, um, why? Because I don't want to be broke. That's why I went into this now. Like, yeah. you know, the, you know, and, and it was like, okay, um, after, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years, it kind of transformed. And it was the moment where I got it. It was like, you know, my why is I just want to be better than anyone else in my field. But it was a very mm. internal thing. Um, and it was that moment where I actually, like, it, it just resonated with me. But until then, it was just like, well, you know, to make money? I don't know. So, like you said, not a bumper sticker, but that was like the advice that was, I was given by, you know, people I respected. It was like, oh, once you figure out your why. Um, but I also had these two drivers, right? You know, business and music. Um, and I find some people don't have those. You know, and, and for that, I just feel like... Uh, right. Uh, what do you say? I think often about doing things whether you feel like it or not. I think I think most of us know what we should be doing. Like you can separate from yourself for a minute and just imagine that you were to go ask some neutral, wise person. Um, here's my scenario. A, B, C, D, E. What do you think I should do? And you can imagine what a neutral, wise person would say. Like, okay, well, I don't know you at all, but based on what you've told me, you should be doing this. Right? Like, I think, I don't think that's just me. I think most of us have the ability to think through that scenario, kind of put a wise man in your head, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a man. <laughs> so, so now you know what you should be doing. And then it's a matter of like, well, whether you feel like it or not, you go do that thing. Um, I, I do this all the time. Like sometimes people ask me about like willpower or how to make things happen. It's like I very often, very, very often, even though I'm like, you know, kind of living high and retired and financially free and all that stuff, every single day almost, I still do things. I want to do, but I know that I need to do them. And so I just kind of, you know, grumble and complain and kick something and curse the sky and then get back to work. <laughs> you know, I just do the thing I know I should be doing. So if you don't know what their calling is, I would recommend to just be smart and do, do the do the statistically right thing based on just what you think uh, a smart person would advise that you do and then just do that whether you feel like it or not and the inspiration hits. Um, 
hey, with your background in music, get this. I love this image that I heard once of personifying inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like, turn the, turn the mute to like a beautiful woman somewhere that, that is ne- she's never going to make the first move. Like, inspiration never comes to you. You always have to make the first move. But if you make the first move and you go halfway to her, she'll come meet you halfway. I really love that idea, and I think of it all the time. When I'm not inspired to do the work I know I need to be doing, I just sit down and start doing it anyway, and then the inspiration comes later. I think a part of that was habits. Um, Like when I think about the music making, it it was just I, I didn't question it. I didn't think if I felt good. I just put the beat on, and I started working. You know, it, yeah. and it just happened. Um, maybe it sucked yeah. some days. Maybe it was great um, some other days. But it's just I started working, and it just right. kind of, you know came out. And I do the same thing with business. You know, I start if I'm stuck, I start playing around with things until something falls into place. Um, but I find it quite right. natural for me. And I think a part of this is the whole idea of focusing, right? Which maybe we have a bit of a mm. advantage. Because when I was younger and when you were younger, um, we didn't have cell phones that we could stare into all day. Um, we, we didn't have YouTube. I mean, I you know, came home and I was waiting for you know, the rap MTV show, which came like once, an hour, you know, once a day or something. It was, it was not something where right. you could just scroll through and, and just completely get distracted like that. You know, it, was like it came at a certain time and if I was on a bike, I was like, oh, shit, I missed it today. Um, I think it was just like a different um, way of growing up where, you know, now um, a lot of the people coming into business and different things, are, you know, they're so distracted from day one since they were little. Um, and I think, you know, before the call uh, started recording, you had some thoughts on, you know, how shitty your life's going to be if you don't focus. Um, but maybe you should, you know, make that statement now. Yeah, sure. And I love the way that uh, that you said it once. Um where you say you like you've seen people making jokes about Netflix and binging movies and playing on their phones all day, but I love how you said like this isn't funny. <laughs> we have a serious addiction. Like this is serious. And yeah, you and I have the same uh, thoughts on this, which is like to me, I think you need to understand the do or die importance of focus. Like if you don't learn to focus you're just going to have a shallow and unrewarding life without any meaningful achievement. Fucking disgusting, stupid, wasted life. And you're going to be on your deathbed, like having just watched a lot of stupid fucking movies instead of doing something with your life. Like this is massively fucking important. I think it's like the top most important thing in life is focus. And avoiding distraction. To me, this is like, this is the the single most important thing, no matter what else you want to do in life. The single most important thing is focus and avoiding distraction. So this is the top priority in the world to me. So to me, like websites, phone apps, media in general, they're designed to be as addictive as as possible. So I would say to treat them as you would heroin or other harmful addictions, right? Like I wouldn't dare ever 
sticking a heroin needle in my arm because I've heard how massively addicting it is. Like, so it's, to me, it's the same reason I've never had a social media app on my phone and I've never had a game, a video game in my house. Hmm. Because to me, I look at those things as like the absolute worst enemies of me living the life I want. You know, so sorry, there's, there's my, there's my rant on the importance of it. Like to me, this is like absolutely fucking crucial. And I get so sad when I see people on the subway or whatever, uh, on their phones. And I just look over their shoulder for a second and they're just like swiping little colored dots to fall into line. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? <laughs> but okay. Sorry, should, should I pause there? I mean, no, it, I, I actually I'm enjoying it, you know, and it, well, for, for a couple of reasons, right? Like I was actually shocked when I started going on podcasts um, about a year and a half ago and we created my bio page, you know, like which just kind of shows what I've done, you know, like the highlights uh, and you probably have mm -hmm. one, too. And one of the things that people asked me and these are, you know, I thought very successful people is like, wow, you've done so much. How were you able to accomplish that? I'm like, no, I haven't. There, you know how many times there's been months where I haven't done anything? Um, I, but, but I do things. Like, I, I complete things. Let's put it that way. Right. right. So maybe that's where the, you know, amount of it comes from. I actually complete what I start most of the time. Um, so that was one side which really surprised me, you know. And like, yeah, definitely if I look through the resume um, of my stuff, it's been a lot. But, you know, I forgot half of it. Like, unless I look at it. Like, I don't think right, about, yeah, you know, like the stuff I've been doing. Um, and the other part, and this is kind of um, like with my girlfriend, she's one of those, you know, I'll click on dots to make them align and like, you know, bullshit on the phone. And we'll go to a movie, you know, and I'm, you know, 50-50 on the movie and I'll get the first class seat. And she's like, yeah, are you into this movie? I was like, look, I got a comfortable seat. I'm ready to sleep. Like, this is worth it to me. I'm good, right? That's why I got the seat. I don't care what the movie is. Just don't wake me. Um, and, the, <laughs> and then, you know, um, lately, you know, during this, like, time now, this quarantine, she's like, oh, everyone's binging on this show called The Kingdom, right? And I'm like, okay. Some stupid show about zombies. I usually don't like stuff about zombies. It's all the same, bad story, anything. And so we started watching it. And I, I enjoyed the first, you know, three, four episodes. They weren't that long. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, this sucks. And she's like, but everyone loves it. I thought you said it was good. I was like, it was good until it wasn't. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it's, it's repeating itself now. This is a waste of time. I'm out. And she just, you know, it took her a while. She's like, but everyone. I was like, do you want to be like everyone? Right. And that was the moment where she's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's turn it off. <laughs> but, you know, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, it, I've always thought, you know, if something, like, you've got to value your time. And I think, I don't know if you've seen James Schramko's book when he said, like, you know, assign um, an hourly wage, whether you're working yes. or not working. Yeah, which I loved that part from the book. So I do have an hourly wage, right? And I'm watching a movie with someone, and I'm like, this is costing me $350 or whatever, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, so I would rather sleep because that's way yeah. more valuable than watching some half-ass story. Right. Right. Or, you know, not do anything and just let me think about how things are. That's way more valuable. But yeah. I assign value to it. So, like, if someone says, like, oh, well, you know, why don't you jump on a call with me for a free consultation? I'm like, that shit ain't free. 
Right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wasting my, and I'll have like a number, and they're like, oh man, <laughs> like, but, right. but you know, I think people don't value their time. I think too. You know, it's funny. I have been uh, assigning a kind of a pulled out of the air number of five hundred bucks per hour yeah. for my time. Um, and just a couple months ago, I heard that Naval Ravikant today is he? Oh yeah, name? he's um, amazing. Feel smart man. Somebody uh, told me that he had been talking about that publicly, and he said <clears throat> that he he thinks of his time is worth five thousand dollars per hour. And I was like, "Ooh, that's good." As soon as I heard that, I was like, "I like that." Yeah, five thousand bucks an hour. Now that really fucking changes the way you think. I like that. Like, because even five hundred bucks is like, you know, you give me five hundred dollars, my life's not going to change. It's like five thousand dollars an hour. That's a really cool way of thinking about it. Um, yeah, I like that a lot, and I've. I think I've been kind of subconsciously um, or consciously treating my time as worth $5,000 an hour uh, since then. I mean, that didn't actually change my daily actions, but it helps in those little moments of decision. But I think here's the, here's the bigger point. It comes a lot down to self-worth, right? Like to me, I'm more important than anything in the news <laughs> or or any entertainment that could be coming down the pipe. Um, my life is more important to me than any of it. So yeah, anything that, thing that could be coming in through the media is not as important to me as myself and my own dreams and the things I want to do in life. But I know the, I know that feeling when you just kind of feel like, <sighs> you're like exhausted and you just you just want some entertainment to come into your eyes. But I, this is why I highly recommend anybody that's into this subject that we're talking about right now, go read the book called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal because she's studied um, willpower and distraction and discipline for years and what she found is that the best way to improve your self-control is to see how and why you lose control. Hmm. To focus on those moments. Like what is that moment where you're doing some work and suddenly you go, and you you know switch to the browser tab that has the stupid social media on it. What happened in that second that made you switch over? And so, she said that the main job of our modern prefrontal cortex, you know, like our actual rational thinking brain, is to bias the brain towards doing the harder thing, right? So when you're doing your work and you come upon like a hard moment and you're not quite sure what to do, um, well, actually, I'm gonna just, I'll just speak for myself now for a second. Those are the moments that I noticed that I would pop open the different browser tab and look for a distraction. It's when I was sitting there working and I hit upon a difficult moment where I didn't know what to do. Mm. And it was like, uh, mental strain and effort. Distraction. <laughs> right. But now that I've identified it, I actually catch myself wanting to, you know, alt-tab over to the, the different tab in the browser. And I'm like, ah, wait, catch myself? I was like, that was the moment. I just did it. Okay, nope, I'm going to push through. 
So I think it's important to name the demon. Uh, Stephen Pressfield wrote a series of books, um, Do the Work, uh, the, the War of Art, I think. Um, did he write War of Art? Anyway, he did, yeah. Uh, yeah. That one took okay. the work, and there was, I think, one or two more. Yeah, they're brilliant because he named the demon. He called creative procrastination the resistance. And he, he kind of almost describes it as like the devil with the pitchfork. And, you know, this is the demon that's that's nagging at you anytime you're kind of uh, sagging into distraction instead of doing your work. That's the resistance. And uh, it was a great name for it. So I think that elm image has helped thousands of people recognize when it surfaces to personify it like that. So, um, yeah, my advice for anybody listening that wants to attack their willpower or wants to strengthen their discipline is to yet notice what happens in those moments when you lose control. And this could go for other things. You know, this could go for somebody binging on sugar or snacks and they're trying to lose weight or whatever it may be. Notice what happens in that moment. And it's usually a moment when you're faced with doing a harder, difficult thing or taking the easy road out. And in those moments, we just have to keep steering ourselves towards the harder thing. Let me ask you this. Um, I, I usually like to keep these episodes evergreen, right? So a topic that um, never gets old. But we are in a, in a very strange situation right now. Um, like usually I just tell people ignore the news. You know, completely, because yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense. These days, with this pandemic going on, um, you know, countries shutting down, new regulations changing, like so many things happening, actually it's, you know, kind of important to once in a while look and like, you know, because things will um, matter to, to each one of us. You know, like my parents are in the States, so right. I'm making sure like they're taken care of, like what's happening, they have no idea, so I'm looking for them. Um, a few things for me here in Thailand. Um, and by talking with a couple of friends who also never have problems with this, um, we're finding that our brains are a little fried between handling our business, what we usually do, and then dealing with this, you know, kind of nonsense that we're, you know, exposed to right now, but sort of have to look at. Um, what would you say um, about that? Um, I think there are I think the important things that you need to know are usually just a few sentences and everything else is just commentary and noise. So yeah, I, I also always prefer to stick evergreen, but let's go timely for a second. Yeah. Right now, on March 26th at least, it feels like all we really need to know are um, st uh, it's very contagious, it can kill, Avoid all social contact, wash your hands often, stay inside, um, everything is shut down, and it's going to be like this for at least a month. I think that's everything we need to know right now. Yeah. And so to kind of listen in to chitter, chitter, chatter, chatter, commentary, commentary you know, yeah. this politician said this, even, you know, okay, so here's one specific example. I'm living in Oxford, England right now, and I don't watch the news but apparently, two weeks ago, the government of the UK said something about herd immunity or which is something, I don't even know what that means. But suddenly I got 
like dozens and dozens of people emailing me going like, oh my God, I just heard the UK herd immunity. Are you going to get out of there? You know, there's going to be a pile of dead bodies. What are you going to do? How are you reacting? How's the government handling this? I'm like, huh? What? Like, I'm just, I'm just in my home working. I don't, what the government is doing, like, I'm not watching that right now. And I was just really busy with work. Yeah. So a couple weeks pass and I'm like, huh, I should find out what this herd immunity thing people are talking about. But oh, by the time I had the time to look into it, the government changed their mind and they're not doing that anymore. Right. And I think, wow, how many millions of human beings' hours of their life were spent forming an opinion on something that was fleeting and passing that the government uttered once and then changed their mind on a week later? Like, yeah, how many hundreds of thousands of people spent how many hours of their life thinking about that and it was all for nothing so i'm like so glad that i didn't give that any of my mind and so even now people are saying like well no i hear the government's changed their tune what's your opinion on this i'm like I, the government like come on I'm, I'm in my home i know not to go out i'm doing my work i've got 20 days worth of food in the fridge and i'm just doing my work like at this point what what the government does is moot to me who cares so um yeah, I think it's just down to like the essential sentences you need to know. And if you already know it, well, then, you know, you check in one minute every five days, see what's new, um, look at the headlines and turn it off. Yeah, I actually like that. So let's go back evergreen because I think that that answer that um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's smart. It's smart. You're right. You know, and they change their tool and I kind of look at it, too. And, and I have some clients, you know, freaking out like, oh, what, what do we do? I was like, just just wait. You know, if you don't know what to do, just don't do anything. Just wait. Exactly. Yeah. So that's usually just my answer for that. Um, so we spoke about, you know, choosing your battles. Um, but let's talk about hobbies and, you know, importance of hobbies. Kind of maybe to, you know, not be all work and not, you know, um, always bring it home. But also, you know, one of our mutual friends, Ian, he looked at me once and he's like, Tom, never trust a man without a hobby. And it yeah. kind of stuck with me. I don't know why. <laughs> But I, I now always wonder, like, do you have a hobby? <laughs> Interesting. Um, did, did he give any more thoughts on why? He did not. Why? He like, did not. He just looked at me, said, never do that, and walked away. And he left me with that. <laughs> he left me hanging since, I don't know how many years it's been. I always look at that. I'm like, you know, should I ever trust a man without a hobby? <laughs> Easy to utter an aphorism without backing it up. <laughs> um, it's funny, you know, hobbies, like... Okay, I hit a funny thing. So I don't remember if you said this in my intro or whatever. But 12 years ago, I sold my company for more money than I'll be able to spend. And it was only a year or two after that that I was um, passing through a border at a country. And they they asked, what do you do for a living? And I, I just gave my usual kind of bullshit answer I give to people when I don't want to talk about it, which is just, I say, oh, I'm a programmer. Yeah. And usually that shuts people up and they go, oh, or if they actually want to talk programming, that's great. I love to talk programming. Um, but no, I'm not actually a programmer for a living. Nobody pays me to do any programming, but it's my kind of shut up answer. So here I am at like the visa control border guard. He said, what do you do? I said, programmer. He said, who do you work for? I said, oh, whatever. This and that. He said, well, who are your employers? I said, no, just self. I said, well, what are your clients? I'm like, oh God, come on. <laughs> it's like nothing. And and so but he kept pushing it. And finally he said, look, it sounds to me like you're coming into the country to take a programming job. And I'm about to deny you entry unless you can prove to me that you are not. 
so I went, all right, um, and this is a little embarrassing, but you know, last year I sold my company for $22 million. I'm, I'm not, I don't need to work ever again. Okay. Like <laughs> you can search the internet. It's out there. It's public. Um, and he goes, oh, why didn't you say so? And he's like, pachunk, pachunk. he's like stamping me. And he goes, come on, mate. He said, next time somebody asks you what you do for a living, just admit that you're retired. And I went, oh, admit you're retired. <laughs> wow, that's weird. Like I would never would have thought of myself as retired. But okay, technically from an immigration guy's point of view, I guess so. Like I'm not working for any, I'm not doing anything for money. Right. So I guess technically I'm retired. So this this notion of a hobby, now I kind of feel like my whole life is a hobby. Um, everything I'm doing is a hobby. I'm just doing it because I want to. Right. But let's get to the real core of the question, which to me, uh, I'm going to spin hobby into playing hooky. I don't know why. To me, playing hooky is then that's the American slang. I've heard that other countries call it different things. So let's just say if if you're not uh, American listening to this, playing hooky is that means where you you blow off school to go do whatever you want that day, or you don't go into work to just do whatever you want. Right. You skip out on school. That's called playing hooky. So when I was, I just found throughout time, I mean, for many decades the best things I ever did were when I was playing hooky. Like when I was supposed to be doing my real work, put that in quotes, real work. Right. But I was just fascinated with something else instead, something more fun, something more interesting. Um, then if you follow the more fun and more interesting thing, it'll probably turn into something as good or better work. Like even, even my old company, CD Baby, that was just a hobby that took off. Um, my real job at the time was a touring musician. I was a, it was my main gig is to get in the van and drive off to a different gig every single day. I was touring America doing gig. And so CD baby was something I was doing for fun on my days off. Like it was just fun to like build a website, the database and processing payments and all of that. It was a blast, much more interesting than getting on stage and singing the same 20 songs, <laughs> you know? So I found that I was actually like staying up late every night, kind of like nerding out and making this new website with glee instead of making music because I found it more interesting. So I guess, yeah, CD Baby was my hobby that, uh, that took off. So yeah, I'm all in favor of, uh, hey, that's actually kind of, isn't it this kind of the, the opposite of what we were saying 15 minutes ago about notice what uh, distracts you or like notice that moment of distraction? Yeah. Well, also notice what you are drawn towards. Not in a bullshit watch Netflix kind of way, but like if you're drawn towards another activity that is fascinating you more than your real work, maybe you should also kind of take that seriously. And that's the hobby. So um, yeah, to me, programming and writing are really the pretty much all I do. I'm always either programming or writing. And I tend to, I tend to treat them almost as playing hooky from each other, if you know what I mean. Like I, I'll write and write and write and write and write and focus on my book and my essays and my writing. And sometimes I feel like, ugh, all this kind of like philosophical kind of stuff is just, uh, I've hit a kind of stopping point. I would love to just do some programming right now. 
because programming to me is just like peaceful and easy. I love it has like right or wrong answer. And, you know, it's like, so then I'll lose myself in programming for a while until I kind of miss having some new philosophical ideas in my head. And so I'll go back to writing. So it's like, I'm always kind of playing hooky from the different sides of my life. Interesting. But it's all creation, right? It's not, not consumption. Um, what, I, what I find with the yeah. distraction when someone is like, you know, drawn to Netflix, and this is funny because I've watched this in my household. Um, it's like, oh yeah, I want to watch some Netflix. And then I'll see them take out the phone. So they're distracting themselves from Netflix now. Oh, I've heard of this. Yes. And I, like, I, I look you, at you it. You put on something on the TV and now you pull out your phone and it's like, oh my God, like two screens shoving stuff into your eyeballs. Yeah, but I, I usually watch it with amazement. You know, I'm like, this is interesting. Yeah. This, is, this is like, this is something unreal. Like you've just yeah. distracted yourself with this so that now you can distract yourself with that. I wonder if they yeah. gave you another screen of what you would do. <laughs> right, right. Gonna eventually set up one of those things like we've seen, you know, um, those rooms where they have like 16 screens <laughs> yeah. playing 16 channels at once, kind of sitting there looking at all of them. Yeah, I, to me, um, okay, look, we should talk about monk mode. That when people come visit my house, they often look around and, and say, do you live here? Like, there's nothing here. Mm. I was like, no, there's a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any. So I don't have a TV. Um, I don't have much in here. But this is the environment that I set up to help me focus. So I think monk mode is is about setting up, putting yourself into the environment that would help you. Right. Like I know in theory, a monk could a, a good uh, a master monk could be in the middle of a candy store in Times Square and meditate and focus. But for most of us, we need to put ourselves into an environment without distraction. So that's why people go away somewhere into the forest to go do their 10 day Vipassana thing. You know, they don't do their Vipassana in the mall. Um, so I think that you have to know that you're prone to distractions and then eliminate the ability to get sucked in by them. So, you know, there's a reason I have no cookies in my house, right? I just, I know myself well enough to know that if there were a box of cookies in the house, there would be some moment of weakness where I'd given and eat the whole box before realizing it. So for example, some of the things I do to help me with this, with what, what I want most, um, I'm often, sorry, that's a, I just kind of accidentally said one of my rules of thumb is always remembering the difference between what you want now versus what you want most. Uh. So I, that's kind of like something I always come back to. Is this something I want now or something I want most? Like the box of cookies is what I want now. Being fit is what I want most. Okay, anyway. So what I want most in life is to create amazing things. So to do that, I very often come over here to my broadband modem and just completely power it off. I shut it down. I unplug it and then I go to my phone and I hold down the power button for five full seconds until the little slider comes across and I shut it completely off, not even airplane mode. It's too easy to re-enable, but I could turn the phone completely off so it's just a dead piece of electronics. And let's say, for example, in the I went into the BIOS of my laptop 
and I disabled the Wi-Fi. I just completely disabled it. So this is actually for good. There is no, so Wi-Fi has been disabled on my laptop for years. Um, so I can only use the internet when I'm next to the modem and I plug in the ethernet cable. Um, that's the only time I'm online. I have no Wi-Fi. Um, and then every morning when I wake up, I work and I write for a few hours before I go back over to the broadband modem and turn it back on. So every night, a couple hours before bed, I shut off the internet. Interesting. And I just write. And I leave it off until I've been awake for a few hours. I've already gotten in a few good hours of work. And then I go turn on the internet again. Um, so it sounds like I'm a nut. It's like, well, no, this is my version of like not keeping cookies in the house. Um, and it's also why I don't use anything in the cloud. I don't use Google Docs. I don't do anything in the cloud because to use the cloud, you have to be online. And online is like a massive distraction zone. <clears throat> so all of my crucial work in life is done offline. Everything is completely self-contained on my computer and offline. So I can um, work offline because I do most of the time. And then of course, like delete all games. Do not install any games. If you've already installed them, well, it's time to delete them if you want to do anything with your life. So no matter how many ex experience points or whatever you've built up inside the game, delete it. Just completely delete it. Um, social media, I found my advice, like I've never installed social media on my phone. My advice to other people is to go log into your account, uh, generate a long random string as a password, like go online and search one of those like long random string generator, like 32 character long jumble of strings, and then change your password to that long jumbled string and then log out, delete all cookies, and don't save that string. So now you honestly don't know the password to your account. And the only way to get back into your account is to do the whole forgot my password loop. And so just don't let yourself do that. Um, and lastly, another thing I like is I've actually changed my browser to not allow cookies. If you go into preferences, there's always a setting even on your phone, uh, or especially on your phone, to just not allow cookies at all, block all cookies. So now the only thing you can use, you can still use the internet to go look up something if you want to spell a word or search Wikipedia for something, but like you can't log into anything anymore. Um, so now the internet has become less uh, valuable to you and less distracting, less enticing. Nothing is personalized. Um, and so these are all just like, I mean, whatever. I, it, these are so shallow. This is like some listicle kind of thing. But I mean, it's like, these are all tiny techniques, but the most important thing is to value yourself and your ultimate goal the highest. Like this is the most important thing is that you do what you want most, not all these little tiny what you want now things. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the thing is, you know, for a lot of people do, that are working online, um, doing what you've said is pretty much killing their business, you know, because a lot of them do only get their clients from these. So, I think uh, for a lot of the listeners, you know, keeping that idea of knowing what you want to do um, and then make those tools work for you, right? So for me, um, since I do a lot of my work on the laptop, I have the FB uh, News Eradicator, right? So I don't see anything, anything posted by anyone except what I'm consuming um, uh, through my own work or I'm just producing on, on Facebook. Um, Twitter, I put all the keywords that are annoying, you know, anything with politics, with, you know, Corona, anything that's happening <laughs> on mute. I make those words mute and I only see the things that are important, you know. Um, nice. And with my um, phone, I've unfollowed anyone 
um, posting any nonsense because I only look for opportunities to make money, right? So I'm only looking right. at the groups where I have my potential audience. Um, but I use those tools, kind of like you said, with the idea of what do I want to accomplish? And everything else is kind of unnecessary. Like, I don't need to know where someone went on vacation. Right. It's got nothing to do with me. Um, and I actually don't care. You know, I barely remember yeah. where I went on vacation last year. So it, it's just, <laughs> it doesn't really matter, right? Or food pictures. Like, you know, I don't take food pictures. I don't need to see yours. Um, but the one question that I've been asked is how do you weave up these distractions? Um, and, you know, you've said just shut them off. I, I found when I say that to someone and it just doesn't happen. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's th this is where I can't. I, mean, I can't speak for. I've never tried to do the hybrid, but it's probably. Yeah. It's probably it probably comes back to feeling a sense of importance and urgency. There have been times in my life where I was just a little adrift, and my goals were foggy and vague, and I just didn't even really. They weren't at the forefront of my mind. Um, and yeah, I let myself get sucked into other people's stuff or distractions, whatever. And I'm at a time in my life now where this is just, this is the most important thing to me. Um, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't spend a single, I, I consider my time the $5,000 an hour now, right? So I don't spend a single hour with anybody. There's some people. Well, then I'm sure there are plenty of nice people, but they're like just they live even a mile up the road from me that have been asking me to hang out. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't hang out. I don't do that anymore. I did that in my 20s. <laughs> I'm 50 now. I'm running out of time. Like, yeah, my time is worth five thousand dollars an hour now, and I've just I have so many things I want to achieve in my life. Fucking Netflix? God no. Fuck no. <laughs> Games? Fuck no. The fuck is like that? What a horrible way to waste a life. Like, absolutely not. Every single hour I spend is fucking crucial. Um, and, of course, you know, I have an eight-year-old son, and uh, I spend a lot, a lot of time with him. We spend probably like 30 or 40 hours a week, just me and him, one-on-one, wow. -on -one hanging out, because that is worth it. Um, Netflix? God, no. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Like, I wonder um, if you can pinpoint what changed, right, between this being adrift you know if someone's like in that mode right now and this mode you're in now um do you remember like what what changed that situation yeah just i felt the pain yeah. of not doing it this like ultimate pain in my soul you know of like if i keep living this way what will i be i'll be some guy who did a few things long ago and not much since because I've been watching shows or played a game, <laughs> you know, like, like the, that stuff doesn't last. It's just, and I understand the, the world is hard and you want to do something easy. So you go to Stardew Valley and you plant your garden or something, you know? And so I, I've seen people do it. I get it. Why people just want to veg out in front of a show. But I think you just, it's not, there's not that much difference between vegging out in front of a show versus just summoning up a little more strength to do the thing that you know really matters most to you. It's not, it's not a massive difference in energy. You know, we're not talking about like 
climbing Mount Everest versus laying on the beach. You know, it's uh, especially for sedentary intellectual work, the difference between watching your show and doing the hard work, say writing and surfing, um, is not that great of a difference. So you just nudge yourself enough to do the thing that matters to you. Um, yeah, sorry, to answer your question, I, I think I just, I felt the ultimate pain in my soul of like not doing what I want to do or um, deliberately pictured myself dying at this point, having not achieved the things that really matter to me. And I went, God, no, like nothing. That would be a horrible, horrible feeling right now if I found out that I had a, a month to live or whatever. And all those things I thought I was going to do and didn't because I was distracted. Oh, God. I'd be like, you know, screaming in whatever emotional pain at the thought of dying. And so, no, I want to be able to die peacefully knowing I did the best. And so um, I just I look at the whole world uh, of entertainment as my ultimate enemy. Yeah, I don't think there's a easy answer for that, too. I, I think if someone is having um, this kind of a problem, and, and I've seen this, this is, you know, the thing I dealt with a client a long time ago. He's like, you know, um, not doing well. I'm not sure if I want to work with him really anymore. Um, he's not putting his weight. Um, he hasn't validated his idea, all this stuff happening. And he gets on the call with me because we were, you know, kind of, doing a little coaching back then i don't really do it much anymore and he's like tom do you think it's okay for me to play uh, i don't know it was like call of duty you know a couple hours a week and i it just took me off completely i was like hold on a second here like do you know what's happening <laughs> with your life like right. it's you know nothing's going right um at all based on what you told me i'm, I'm trying to help you with this you know business idea and, and stuff and then you're asking me if you can play a game you know, and and right. and so what I told him, and I think that's the only answer I can I can give is like you know you go play your game, um, but I would recommend playing it a lot, and play it so long until you get just so tired and sick of being whatever you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> that you just feel like unplugging it and throwing it out. But until then, keep playing. Dude. I love Tony Robbins told this story long ago. I read his book in like the eighties um, of somebody that came up to him and said, uh, like, I, I eat chocolate and I love it. <laughs> I'm never going to quit. And Tony said, Oh yeah. And he said, okay, you think you can eat nothing but chocolate for six days? And the guy went, sure I can. I'll show you. And apparently it was like at a six day long event, oh, wow. right? They were doing one of the, Tony Robbins big events. So he was like, okay, very publicly. All right, everybody with, you know, everyone here is your witness. You're going to eat nothing but chocolate for the next six days. And yeah, by day five, he was like, you can't make it. Oh God. He's like, I hate it. And, and actually going back further than that, I forgot like in his book, um, Awaken the Giant Within, Tony Robbins tells the story of when he was a teenager, he grew up with a single mother because I think his, I think his dad was an alcoholic and had left the family and so his mother had a strong opinion on alcohol. And when he was 15 or something like that, he said, Mom, I want to have a beer. And she said, all right, I'll let you have a beer on one condition. Um, you drink a whole six-pack. <laughs> and so at the age of 15, she made him drink a whole six-pack. Um, and sure enough, same as the chocolate story. It's like by the fourth one, he like puked his guts out. And he said, I've never touched a drop of alcohol since. 
And uh, so, yeah, that's funny. I, I hadn't heard of that applied to video games. But that's a funny way to do it. Like, all right, you want to play, yeah. play whatever Heroes you want. Duty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to watch Netflix? Watch Netflix. Don't turn it off. No. Nothing but Netflix <laughs> Nothing for but the Netflix. next one. Yeah. God, that would actually that would take people longer to uh, grow tired of that. With, uh, but no, 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 no. You, you cannot distract yourself with your phone. You got to continue watching Netflix. That's it. You can't distract from that because that's that thing, right? Like you, you watch Netflix and you watch it. <laughs> right. Hey, so, but you know what? Back to the, like, back to the thing from 10 minutes ago. If you have to do your work online, I think there's actually a good lesson learned from the way that the internet used to be long ago when it first started in like mid 90s. Everybody had dial up modems and we all had like one home phone line and what you'd have to do is you would go onto the internet you would like dial in you'd have to like make sure nobody in the house is using the phone and then you'd dial into the internet and you'd like you would connect you'd make this cute noise and then you were online now and then you would do what you needed to do online for 30 minutes or whatever it took and then you would disconnect so that you could use the phone again and there's something to that like i, I wish there was kind of a modern yeah, like a mother version of that. I, I, I've, I've tried playing with something like that before. Version of something like offline and stay offline yeah. until you need it again. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Um, I've, I've given, given myself like time limits. You know, like uh, I'm, yeah. I'm unplugging um, the, the modem or something, but then, you know, someone else in the household is screaming. So um, what, I would, <laughs> what I would do is just... Um, you can turn off your Wi-Fi on the computer, right? There's like always a button on it, and just I'm I'm turning it off, and it just won't connect right, after yeah. that. So I've I've been doing stuff like that. It helps. Yeah, good. Um, but once again, cool. it's one of these willpower things, right? Like you need to kind of push yourself to do that extra step. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this: When do you think it does make sense to consume, right? Because we're always talking about creation versus consumption. You know, there's been many books written about this. Um. But I think there are times when, you know, it does make sense to, you know, look at other people's, you know, work or opinions and things. Um, how do you feel about it? Um, I think it's great when you need to refill your creative tank uh, to go steal ideas and just straight up admit that you're you're looking to things. To, you're looking for things to steal. I think like even like David Bowie very publicly said that once in an interview, like the only reason I look at anybody else's work is to look at what I can steal. Mm -hmm. um, so if you really want to live the creative life, then you should look at all of your consuming of other inputs as looking for ideas to steal, look for ingredients to use, uh, go foraging. And especially if you can do it in a really deliberate way, like, yeah, if you've hit some kind of, some kind of wall in your efforts for the day and you're just kind of feeling at your wits end and you need to stop working for a bit, then yeah, go look into the world, but do it with deliberation. Like say like, okay, what can I use? <laughs> Who's doing what and what ideas can I use myself? What ingredients can I borrow? Can I steal from the world and use in my work? And uh, yeah, the, the way that I read is very much like that. When I'm reading a nonfiction book. Uh, I'm going through it kind of pen in hand, looking for ideas that I can take and 
spin further myself. Like I, I, I never want to just echo somebody else's idea. I never do that. Like he said, she said kind of thing where I just kind of quote somebody else and leave it at that. I always want to take this idea, figure out what I like about that idea, dissect it, break it apart, then amplify it and take it somewhere else myself. So now it's something original. So I, I, I read other people's books, uh, full of just deliberate intention to, um, reuse and spin their ideas into something new same thing with music god yeah it was a as a musician for 15 years every time i would listen to somebody else's music it was with absolute deliberation on how can i how can i use this that's so funny you're doing the exact thing i've been doing for as long as i can remember <laughs> yeah like the, the cool. books that i have because um, you know the business books coming out they're usually just you know restating the same stuff um so like the new books, I barely ever read. But when I do, um, it's only before I need to write an article or something of my own. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just waiting for something yep. to pop up and be like, you know what, that's cool. But I have a much better way of phrasing this. And I, I, you know, I just take it and I'm like, all right, thank you. And I put the book away. Nice. But with music, it was, um, with music, it was different. With music, I found um, music changed you know, a lot um, throughout the years. And I sometimes found, like, you know, if I've listened to some artist and I was like, oh, I jacked this idea, you know, it's great, it's mine now, um, sometimes a little bit too much of the influence was left on the music, right? So I would kind of be like, you know, I've never made a track like this. And some people be like, oh, you're doing this type of style now. I'm like, oh, man. Like, he completely... But, you know, listening to it, like, this is not original anymore. I've kind of... You, you know what I mean? Uh, like, I kind of moved yeah, into that path now. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sounding a bit like this here now. Right. But that's why I think the fun is to is to hybrid it. Like, you go listen to some West African musician and here's something you like in that. You're like, ooh, I like that. I'm going to mix that with this Texas boogie woogie thing I was working on piano, but now with this like West African thing, like it's like you, you mix things together instead of just saying like, I'm now going to imitate this artist completely and wholly. No, it, you take a, take something you like out of it. You figure out what did you like about that melody? It was that melodic leap. That's what made that melody so cool. What was it I liked about that lyric? It's that, you know, I thought it was going there and it ended there instead. Okay, so I'm gonna take this lyric and that melody and merge them together and write my own using what I liked about those things. Um, and then nobody will ever uh, even know what your influences were because you've merged them together. Yeah, I don't know. Like, here's, here's the thing, right? Like, since I was in, in and, and this, you know, works for business too, like once I explain it. Like, when I was doing the hip-hop stuff, and if, like, I did what you just said, and I went into the African or, you know, completely different niche, let's put it that way, right, and took something from mm -hmm. that, no one knew the influence. But if I right. looked at one of my favorite artists, you know, like Biggie or something, and I really, I, I uh. loved the music and I studied it, and without me even trying, um, like I would maybe, you know, figure out one of his rhyme patterns, right? And be like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to take this rhyme pattern. It's completely different what I'm doing. I'm just taking that pattern. But by listening to it so much, someone would be like, man, this track sounds just like, you know, someone else. I'd be like, it's mine. 
But I'm like, yeah, 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 but I can hear this, this guy. I, I guess I just listened to him and he was too close. So even though it was a hybrid, right. um, it now, you know, because it's in the same niche, you know, similar beats. And then by kind of borrowing a bit of the pattern, it's just, you know, it, it was too close. So I think, in, you know, even in business too, like, you know, borrowing from too close of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, that, so that's kind of what I'm um, leaning towards. Got it. Yeah, that's why I always like, maybe that's a good argument in favor of getting your influences from afar, like even in marketing, that maybe it's better to look at people like Jay Abraham that people aren't talking about so much anymore. Yeah. Like it's absolutely like direct marketing genius, but like it just isn't so much in the um, the current zeitgeist of things. So yeah, better time to look at Jay Abraham now or like go back to... Uh, uh, Jay Conrad Levinson's with his series of guerrilla marketing books. Like they don't really, people aren't reading those anymore, but that's a great reason why it would be great to go back to them now and see how you can apply what Jay Conrad Levinson was talking about with guerrilla marketing 20 years ago. See how you can apply it now. Got 30 years ago even. Wow. Yeah, it's been a long um, time. And I've been looking at some of the old like Oglevy and, um, you know, the, the master of advertising from like the 1960s. Yes. Like some of these yeah. old, old guys. Because I found, and this is just from my experience in music, is if I go too close, you know, even if someone's amazing, but if I just go too close, there's a danger in that consumption. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, if it's, um, I don't know, old ideas. Uh, sorry, I just remembered one more since we're at it. It's like you're, you're waking up a little <laughs> brain cell in me that has been uh, dormant for a while. So Harry Beckwith wrote a brilliant series of books, starting with Selling the Invisible. And I think that um, Harry Beckwith is kind of what Seth Godin became. Like Harry Beckwith was kind of like in a similar vein to Seth Godin, but then didn't get as famous. Uh, But his writing is genius about like that kind of holistic marketing approach. So, so, so good. So uh, B-E-C-K-W-I-T-H. Beckwith and start with the book called Selling the Invisible. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is a this is a really interesting subject of of getting your influences. Like if if you're doing something similar to Biggie Smalls, well then maybe you know you shouldn't be uh, continuing to look too closely to Biggie Smalls as an influence, but digging further afield and you know listening to the uh, Bulgarian Women's Choir or something like that. Yeah, so, and, and so I that agree. Just completely out of like with with. Um, in marketing, I found I can find a lot of good ideas by looking what the car companies are doing or what, you know, nah, you know just someone that's yeah. really far um, or even right. for fixing my own um, company structure. I would look at like processes of factories, like that book, The Goal, right. which the guy explains like this big story about the factory. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm not building a factory, but it, it does translate in a lot of ways if you really mm-hmm. think about it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the problem I find with consumption. It's like, you know, you'll subscribe to your, you know, couple favorite guys in your field and it's like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's, I'm completely, sorry, this is just like a meta meta kind of thing, but yeah. I'm just not into current events in any way. Like I just, yeah, I don't really care. I don't, I don't like reading new books. I don't like reading news. I don't actually listen to any podcasts or read any blogs. I'm just completely kind of 
intentionally out of touch with whatever's going on now because I really prefer to hear more interesting ideas from another era because I feel like there's an, there are enough people looking at what's going on now that we don't need yet another. We don't need another person to comment on uh, something that a politician said today. Uh, everybody else is doing that. I'd prefer to look at what other people said. We're talking this now. I just this morning uh, started listening to the audiobook for The Odyssey, the Homer um, mm. epic, because, uh, yeah, met a, uh, a Canadian a fan of mine who was passing through London and we met a few weeks ago um, told me that the Odyssey was like the best thing he'd ever read. He said, you know, these books that have been around for thousands of years or whatever, there's there's a reason they're they're classics. It's really, really, really good. And I was like, wow, that's a great point. I think um, in, in anti-fragile, um, Taleb talked about this idea of like the, the things that have lasted the longest – um, will continue to last the longest because they've kind of stood the test of time. So, yeah, going back to the classics of marketing or the classics of literature, or the classics of music um, uh, is is really great to get yourself out of uh, being over-influenced by the current zeitgeist. So I, I remember that you post like reviews and summaries of like the, the you know, in books that you read on your website. And I, I yeah. really recommend for all the listeners to go check that out. And, you know, Derek's going to give the website at the end. Um, but if you think of the last maybe 12 months um, and you, you know, your influences, who do you think um, like left a pretty big impression from like the last, you know, Stuff you read recently, but I know it's not recent stuff. Just curious, like over the last year, what's been the the biggest thing? Um, hmm. well, the book that blew my mind in the past year was the one I mentioned at the beginning of the call called The Courage to Be Disliked. That one just comes to mind first. It's like one of the best things I've read in a couple of years. And I, and I do think that was like just within the last 12 months. Um, but other than that, um, I've been doing way more output than input this year. Mm. Sorry, I, I actually haven't been reading that much. Uh, I just kind of felt like, yeah, my, my next book was halfway done and I just wanted to finish it. So I've just been mostly just shutting off all input to just focus on output. So I don't have a lot to say. But um, for what it's worth, I don't know if this is useful to anybody else, but I've started disconnecting the ideas inside of a book from the book itself. So I take notes. Whenever I read a nonfiction book, I take detailed notes um, and I save them all in text files. And what I did this year is I spent many hours categorizing those thoughts and ideas from books into, into categories by subject. So now I've got, say, 1,500 ideas on the topic of discipline in a folder called discipline, even though those 1500 ideas may have come from 110 different books. Now they're just separate ideas. I don't actually have even lost the reference. I can go, you know, search it if I really need to find it. But for the most part, now they're just ideas that have been uh, cut off from their original book source. Cause I just use books to get at the ideas inside. I'm not, uh, I don't fetishize or glorify the book itself. I don't really care about the book. I don't care about the author. I don't care about anything. 
I just want the ideas inside of it so I can use them for my own purposes. So I think separating the ideas from the book was um, a really interesting project I did this year. So now it's like, yeah, I've got, uh, say, like 30 different folders with categories like pain or um, profit or uh, discipline or um, solitude or focus. And, and inside that are the collected ideas f- across the last, say, 350 books. I've re- I started taking book notes about 350 books ago, which is about 13 years ago, um, is when I started taking notes. Um, so, yeah, I, now I've separated all the ideas from the books itself. And it's much, I, I enjoy it much more now to just go through by topic when I'm needing inspiration. Um, because yeah, it, it's a, you can have thoughts on discipline from a book about poker or a book about parenting or a book about uh, sports. Uh, and I like now that uh, just, yeah, to go by topic instead of by book. Okay, follow-up question then before we finish up. The biggest idea of the last 12 months that you kind of came ah. across, but... I'll, I'll give you uh, one that I came across. We'll give you a bit of time to kind of, you know, maybe something will pop up. So for me, um, I read this book called The Order of Time. And it's, you know, sounds simple. You know, we all know what time is. But I quickly realized we do not. Um, as, you know, the particles get smaller, time does not follow the same path anymore that it does for us. And... By reading that book, you know, and I, I usually thought, you know, like with marketing, I know, you know, these things work every single time until they don't. And after seeing that even time, something that simple, doesn't always work the same. There's always, you know, if you look close enough or under certain conditions, it completely doesn't. It kind of made me a better marketer, you know, because I always realize that all these facts that I have and I tell people like, oh, yeah, this is a definite works every single time. And but now I know. Well, under a certain condition, it might not. Um, mm. So I always give them that, but you know, there's always there's always that time. You might be the first. <laughs> nice, I like that. <clears throat> um, for me, last twelve months. Uh, sorry, this is kind of breaking interview etiquette, but it's. I think it's probably the one that I said earlier about whose task is this Mm. so from the courage to be disliked that idea of like is this my task or your task you know other other people saying they need something from you that's not my task um even that could be like you know taking care of a dying parent it's like well that's not my task like uh, if you decide that you want to do it anyway you can but you have no obligation that the fact that somebody else is in need is not your obligation. You can take it on optionally if you want to, but you can't be guilted into these things because it's not your task. And I'm sorry, I should, I, this is one of those things where I kind of, I wish that I would have refreshed. Uh, if I knew that we were going to talk on this subject, <laughs> I might've refreshed uh, reading my notes on that book again to kind of bring it to the forefront of mind. Cause I have the feeling that, that I'm saying it in a way that's doing it a little injustice. Uh, but if you go to sivers.org slash book, 
um, Courage to be Disliked is near the top of that list. I always I sort that page with my top recommended books up top, and that is near the top. Okay. So read the notes on it, and if my notes on it appeal to you, then definitely read the whole book because the book is way better than my notes. That's awesome. Let's finish on, on that note. Um, Derek, I, I really appreciate you coming on. and Thanks. You, you, you got me. Uh, I, I'm actually really feeling a little guilty that I <laughs> monologued so much. But it's funny, you touched on some topics that are real, like soapbox things for me, like the topic of distraction and focus like you know i start cursing and yelling when i when i get onto these subjects because i care about them so much so uh sorry if i was monologuing too much but thanks for a really fun conversation no i think it was it was, it was fine um these are sort of like foundational topics right so even though um someone might have heard this stuff before or read you know 15 20 books on it um these are these things that are very simple to, you know, uh, kind of phrase, but very difficult to do all the time. Right. Yeah. And that's why I thought, you know, to, to bring you on and kind of go over that again, because, you know, you cannot hear this enough unless you're right. already doing it. Then it's fine. You don't need to listen right. to it. But yeah. if you're not, um, maybe there's just one thing, you know, because I always look for that one thing. And, you know, when I listen to an interview or anything that will change something you know, as you move forward, and that will make all the difference. Yeah, cool. All right, Derek, and you mentioned your website, but let's uh, mention it again, where people can find you, yeah. and we'll go jump to, off. Go to Sivers.org, S-I-V-E-R-S dot O-R-G, and honestly, um, as you could tell, I wasn't here to promote anything. <laughs> the main reason I do these conversations is because I honestly really like the people that I meet uh, that come out of it. Some of my best friends have been people who emailed me after hearing me on a podcast and introduced themselves and we, you know, hit it off and became best friends. So honestly, anybody listening to this, uh, go to Sivers.org and uh, if you click contact, my email address is there, please email and introduce yourself. That's awesome. Okay, we're done.